Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am excited that this hour I get to have Robert Morgan as my guest. He um, is author of many books. The one that we're going to talk about today is called The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. And we are certainly living in perilous times. I don't think the world has ever uh, been in a more of a mess. I mean, not since the days of Noah, according to Robert. And we're going to find out uh, all about his book. I'm so glad he's with me today. Rob, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you for saying that. You know, I, I appreciate your writing and your thinking, but mostly I love the person you are. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, we are um, under construction all the time. <laughs> the, the, the Lord the Lord is uh, working on us, and sometimes I feel like I'm making progress, and sometimes I think I'm sliding backwards, but we must never be discouraged. Mm-hmm. The Lord isn't finished with us yet. Yeah, that's so true, and I always like to um, uh, just let you know that I uh, I am so in awe of your love and care for Katrina and the way you uh, minister to her through so many years of illness, and I, I know she's been gone since 2019. Yes, I miss her every day. I've got pictures pictures of her everywhere. I just look at them, uh, but I don't look and uh, look back and, and grieve. I look forward and anticipate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what I'd do otherwise, and that's <laughs> one of the reasons I love the book of Revelation, those last two chapters of Revelation, which close out the Bible, give us that wonderful picture of our eternal home. And my wife beat me there, um, you know, and, 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 but I, I can read about where she is, and, and I feel closer to her as I do it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, I'm fascinated with your book. I, I'm excited uh, that you're with us for the hour, and I want to ask you right up front how you came up with the 50 events. Well, I've been a student of the book of Revelation for many years, uh, really 50 years. I took my first course uh, in Daniel and Revelation when I was in college, and I was 19 or 20 back then, so it's been about half a century. And I've preached through this book of Revelation many times. I have never written on prophetic themes before. But as I went through Revelation over and over and over again, it seemed like that the most natural way of understanding this book was it is a sequence of events leading up to Mm -hmm. the ultimate return of Christ. And I just began listing the, the events one after the other as they occur in Revelation. And I said, this is a roadmap. These are mile markers. Uh, This is really not so difficult to understand. There are certain things that are going to occur leading up to the return of Christ, and they're spelled out for us here. So uh, when I listed them all, uh, it came out to 50. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that list is just slightly arbitrary because you could have grouped a couple of things together. But, uh, Bill, the, the, there are 21 major events, which are the breaking of the seven seals, the blowing of the seven trumpets, and the pouring out of the seven bowls of wrath. Those are described vividly in the book of Revelation, but there are other events around them. Mm-hmm. And so I just got out my legal pad and wrote them down, and they came out to 50. Oh, I love that. So you saw a pattern uh, to the way Revelation w- was written. Yes, there, there are a couple of patterns to it. Um, the, the pattern that a lot of people miss is, and I did for many, many years, is that the scene shifts from earth to heaven to earth to heaven to earth to heaven Mm. all the way through the book. It's like if you're listening to a football game on radio. (laughs) You have the play-by-play in which that tells you exactly what's happening on the field. And then you have the color commentator or the analyst who will say, well, you know, from up here, here's what they were doing. Here's why they did it. Here's what they might do next. And it's that way with the book of Revelation. The, uh, the text of the book alternates between the play-by-play of what's happening on the earth and the way that heaven is interpreting it. Mm-hmm. The, other pattern, uh, uh, the other pattern in Revelation has to do with just the sequential listing of the events that are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's talk about John and what was going on in his life when he wrote uh, Revelation. John, to me, is, a, is the most interesting uh, fellow. I believe, Bill, that he was a, a sales representative when he was. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, now listen, I'm serious. Okay. When he was nineteen, when he was nineteen or twenty, um, I think that he was a sales rep for the fishing business, uh, which was a very big thing out of Galilee for all of Israel. Um, they, they have found so many fish factories where fish were pickled and dried and, and transported, sometimes fresh. Uh, and in John chapter 18, John said that when Jesus was arrested, I went into the house of the high priest with him because I knew the high priest. Now, how could a 19 or 20-year-old follower of Christ go right into the house of the most powerful man in Israel? Well, it's the only explanation that I can think of. It's because he was uh, representing uh, in Israel these prime Galilean fish. And so he knew all of the important people. He sold fish to them. So I think that John, now I'm speculating there, but I think that John was personable, was bright, was young, was healthy. And as he grew older in Christ, he is the only apostle that was not martyred. And so he came to be the most revered uh, apostle and Christian in the world. He was ministering in the city of Ephesus. And then the Romans, to get rid of him, they exiled him to the island of Patmos. But just like it's true for for you and me, Bill, uh, what the devil thinks is going to shut us up, just Mm. create uh, an opportunity for the Lord to do something special. And it was on that island that God gave him the final book of the Bible, Revelation, Mm -hmm. telling him about the things that were going to come. So, Rob, Rob, who was he writing it for? He was originally writing it for those seven churches. Okay that are listed there, the seven churches of Asia, but of course, for all of us, for all of Christians of all of time. Mm-hmm. Robert Morgan is my guest, and his book is called The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. And 
He's nice enough to make uh, five copies of the book available. So if you want to get in on the drawing, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Rosie, I have a question for you. Is the copy I have, is that included in the five that we're giving away? No, we have five more besides that. Okay, because if I was about to say, if my copy's included, then we only have four copies to give away because <laughs> I'm not giving this one up. Okay, so um, uh, you talk about, uh, Rob, in the book, you you, you mentioned that we can't um, really deal with with world events, um, you know, unless we see things from Christ's perspective. So maybe how, tell us how we can see Christ's perspective in the events of Revelation. Well, first of all, we have to study it. We have to believe um, uh, that God has a plan for this world. If if there is no God and there is no uh, prophetic information about the future of the earth, then this world is wobbling out of control. And at any moment, a man could push a button in Moscow or break a, a test tube in China, and the human race would be annihilated. Uh, we are living in times now in which catastrophic events could bring about the extinguishing of life and a series of um, of atomic or nuclear attacks could result in this world just being a charred ball so and and those things are going to happen unless god really does have a plan for this world and i think he does and i think that it's revealed throughout the scripture and i think that it reaches its climax in the book of revelation so and this is why the book of Revelation is so hopeful. Things are not going to end in catastrophic meltdown and destruction. Things are going to end with the return of Jesus Christ. And all of history is moving towards that. So unless we begin to get that biblical perspective, when we look at the conflicts and the wars and the rumors of wars and the pandemics and everything else on earth, it would just seem like a series of cascading disasters that are leading us to destruction. But with God's perspective from the Bible and from the book of Revelation, we see beyond all that to the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. Rob, why are so many Christians afraid of the book of Revelation? I think that it just is intimidating, and and it's not taught enough. It's not preached enough. Uh, There are some churches that never go near the book of Revelation, some pastors who will not even preach on prophetic portions of Scripture. Uh, But My thesis is that I can explain the book of Revelation simply, simple enough for a middle schooler to understand. I think that I can sit down, and in fact, in the appendix, we do this. I can sit down with someone at a coffee shop and on a napkin in five or ten minutes, give them the overall understanding of the scope and the structure and the meaning of the book of Revelation. It is not as difficult as people think. If you just read it naturally and allow one event to follow another leading to the return of Christ, then Revelation makes enormous sense and is tremendously encouraging. Yeah, thank you for saying that, too, because it is incredibly encouraging, and it's the very best news, and it's something that we shouldn't be intimidated about. That's why I'm so glad you wrote your book, The 50 Final Events in World History. So I'm going to take a little break, and I'm happy to say that uh, Pastor Rob Morgan has made five of these books available for us to uh, give away in a drawing, and I know you're going to want in on this one. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Again, just the word BOOK 
877-933-2484. I'll be right back with Robert Morgan in just a minute. first introduced uh, Robert Morgan, my guest, I felt like I just introduced him as my friend and a man I admire and care about and love. But let me give you a little bit more information because some of you have texted me saying, is, uh, is, this, the, is this the one that, that uh, is the author of Then Sings My Soul? And I go, yes, it is. And the Red Sea Rules. He has been the uh, uh, teaching pastor of the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville for over 40 years. And he's a, a best-selling gold medallion winning writer with more than 35 books in print and approximately 5 million copies in circulation in many languages. And he's a frequent guest here on Faith Radio. I know he's been on Susie's show and Carmen's show, I think, and on mine many times, and he's one of my faves. So always nice to have him on the program. And his book that we're talking about today is called The 50 Final Events in World History, and he's got five copies available, so get in on the drawing. I can see many of you are doing that right now. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. And before the break, Rob, I was talking about how encouraging it is, the book of Revelation. And uh, it's the only book in the Bible with a specific blessing for those who read it, isn't it? At the beginning and at the end of the book, in chapter 1, there is this very unusual verse. There's not another verse in another book like it. Blessed is the person who reads the book of this, who reads the words of this book aloud, who takes it to heart because what is going to happen will happen quickly. And then at the end of the book, in chapter 22, there is another blessing. Blessed are those who read the words of this book and take it to heart. So this book is bookended with blessings for those who will study it, which is why it's so hard, Bill, to understand why it is so neglected. You know, I had I I did not put those two together up until just now. So this is why it's so amazing that you would bring this to our attention. Um, I almost think that's worth a little bit of a repeat, if you wouldn't mind saying that one more time, because I know there's people driving, and they're going. He just said what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, in the book of Revelation, chapter one, there is in the prologue of Revelation a promise for those who will read this book aloud. Now, I think it originally that was talking about the, the preacher who would read it to the congregation. Um, but it still, I think, is for all of us mm-hmm. the, uh, and who take it to heart um, and who do, you know, who, who, does, who does what it says. Then at the very end of the book, it's, it, there is another blessing uh, in chapter 22 for those who have read the book. So, uh, so this book has a blessing at the beginning and at the end for those who will read and study this book. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into a little bit of the understanding of the Antichrist. What, what will the ant- Antichrist be like? The Antichrist will at first appear to be uh, a great hero. He'll be uh, noble, he'll be charismatic, he'll be as though he were riding under the stage of history on a white horse. Um, 
And that would presuppose some kind of global cataclysm, which I think um, will trigger uh, the, the tribulation events, which are described in Revelation 4 through 18. Now, this trigger event, some people believe it's the rapture of the church, and I tend to believe that, but others believe the, the rapture will occur later, and that the cataclysm could be a global financial breakdown, it could be a nuclear attack, it could be a pandemic with a much higher mortality rate, anything that would leave the world looking for a savior. And, and you know, this is plausible right now. Uh, in fact, there are a lot of people talking about the importance of having a global strategy for handling crises and some kind of one-world government system. But later, this Antichrist will become what Paul called the man of lawlessness and will rise up with a tremendous love for military power and of himself, a tremendous hatred for God and for Christians and for the Jewish people, and he will wage the final campaign in world history, which will culminate culminate in, in the Battle of Armageddon. So at first he appears to be a hero. Later we really see him for what he is. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the the seven uh, messages to the seven churches. So when we read these, how can we apply these messages uh, to our own lives and maybe even our own churches? Well, the Apostle uh, John, as the Lord gave him the information in the book of Revelation, uh, just think, if you were going to entrust the last book of the Bible and the greatest information about the future that had ever been given, if you're going to entrust them to seven local churches, you would want those churches to be as strong and as healthy as they possibly could be. And so in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, the Lord Jesus does a diagnostic exam of each one of those churches, and he says to them, here's where you are strong, here's where you are weak, here's what you need to work on. And I have pastored a church for 43 years, and when I read those two chapters, I see our church and every one of those seven churches. Here's what's strong, here's what's weak, here's what you need on. And Bill, when I read them myself, I say, well, uh, sometimes I'm like this, sometimes I'm like that. Uh, I need to do something. And so, the, the two chapters, two and three, that evaluate the seven churches of Asia provide us a diagnostic tool so that as we read them, like James says, we see ourselves in a mirror and we can correct what needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Pastor Robert Morgan is my guest. His book is The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. I have five great copies to give out. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Rob, let's talk about uh, Israel and and how instrumental is it in the second coming. Well, very, very instrumental. I think that the um, recreation, the reconstitution of the state of Israel in 1948, just before I was born, that was a seminal event in prophetic history. There is somehow on God's clock that a trigger uh, was switched on with the creation of the state of Israel. And in the book of Revelation, 
the uh, the armies of the Antichrist are going to destroy or going to seek to destroy the nation of Israel. Um, I mean, this is this is so clear, especially when you, uh, as, as I do in my book, bring in some other passages from Zechariah, from Ezekiel, the Battle of Gog and Magog, and other things. It will be the devil's desire to destroy Israel to prevent the Lord's return, because just as our Lord's first coming was tied up with prophecies having to do with Israel, locations having to do with Israel. So his second coming is tied up with prophecies and locations having to do with Israel. And the Bible teaches that when the Lord Jesus comes again, he will establish his kingdom for a duration of time on this earth in Jerusalem. And so by wiping out the Israelites— um, or the, the Jewish people, the final solution, as Hitler called it, then the devil will thwart the plan of God. So Israel is very, very important, which is why when we read about Iran developing a nuclear weapon for the destruction of Israel, it's so strange that we have already been prepared for that by reading biblical prophecy. Mm. That's really, really fascinating. Let's talk about the number seven that we see throughout Revelation. What importance or what significance does that have? John wove the number seven all the way through his book. And the significance of it, I think, is that the number seven in the Bible is a number of perfection. It is a number that is related to God. Uh, We have seven days in a week, and so the week is total and complete. So by putting these sevens into the book of Revelation, the Lord is saying, with this book now, my plan uh, for human history is stamped with my perfection. It is full and complete. So it's interesting to trace that number and see how often it occurs. It is a number that helps us also remember some of the significant events in Revelation, like the seven seals that are broken, the seven mm-hmm. trumpets that are sounded, and the seven bowls of wrath. Mm-hmm. I know that there are many people that crack open the book of Revelation, and they start to see some of these imagery and some of the language, and they think, uh-oh, if I don't get some solid biblical teaching on this, I'm going to get lost. Well, yes, and that's why, you know, I wrote the 50 final events in world history. But the truth is, uh, Bill, that The book of Revelation is quite literal. It's got symbolic overlays. But usually, when you see a symbol, then the writer interprets it. Mm, For example, in chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was walking among the seven golden lampstands. And then it says those lampstands represent the seven churches of Asia. Or in chapter 13, it says that this beast came up, and but later we're told this beast is the devil, Satan, yeah. that old serpent. Yeah, Rob. Let me let me interrupt just because I don't I don't want to do this, but we do have to come up against a break here. So I'll be back. We'll continue this discussion. Uh, Robert Morgan is my guest. The fifty final events in world history. We'll be right back. Let's get it started. 
Pastor Robert Morgan is my guest. His book is The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on the Earth's Final Days. And I was uh, celebrating uh, before the break, uh, Rob, that you uh, had written this book because it gives us all a chance to learn about Revelation. And you are able to bring it down to a level that you said even a middle schooler can um, understand it. And if I was more of a skillful interviewer, I wouldn't have asked you a question right before the break, and I had to cut you off, so I apologize. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to improve. I'm talking too much. No, I get too excited. Well, I'm excited, too. And there are a <laughs> lot of people are already uh, trying to get in on the drawing for these books. So, um, yeah, let's just, uh, uh, if you have any additional thoughts from what you were saying before the break, otherwise we'll move on. Yes, yeah, so let's just go right on. Okay. Um, there's a passage that I've been looking at. I've been trying to figure out how I put this in in a context of Revelation. It's from Revelation uh, 17, verse 11. And it basically says uh, that the beast that, that once was and is now not, and he'll also at one point be uh, going to destruction. So are we understanding this is a description of the Antichrist? Yes. So here's a, this is a, a pretty clear teaching in the book of Revelation, that this great charismatic leader who will come as a savior of the world to begin with and deceive many people, at some point he will be assassinated or appear to be assassinated, and he will be resurrected or appear to be resurrected to the amazement of the world. And at that point, he will be inflamed with satanic power. And that is really when all of the diabolical energy of the devil surges through him and turns him into the Antichrist with a hatred of Israel that goes to extremes that no one has ever seen before. So that's why it says he was not, but he is. So that's um, there are several times in the book of Revelation when the apparent assassination of this world ruler uh, is referred to. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the biblical names of the Antichrist, there's quite a selection of them. them. I think you've got a nice explanation of that in uh, one of your chapters. We can study the subject of the Antichrist going all the way back to Genesis chapter 315, where he is the seed of Satan. Um, I think Nimrod was a, a portrait of the Antichrist early on in the Bible. Uh, but he is called by Paul the man of lawlessness. Uh, in the book of Revelation, he actually is not called the Antichrist. He is called the beast, but it's in First John uh, and also in Second John that John gives him that title, the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And Rob, do you think uh, that these ev- events, uh, have they already started? No, the 50 events in terms of the future are the tribulation events, seven final years in world history, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And we're still waiting. Uh, it may not be very long for the, uh, for the catalytic event that will start these 50. Um, and as I said, it could be the rapture of the church. It could be a nuclear attack. It could be solar flares that burn out our, our electronic grid and our Internet. It could be a world financial collapse. It could be a pandemic with a high mortality rate. It could be an asteroid. Um, Anything that will threaten the existence of the earth and the minds of the people and create such fear that a deceiver comes 
and seeks to gain control of the governments of the world. That is when these events begin. Okay, Rob, so we're, let's go to uh, the Great Tribulation. And you, you talk about this in your book, that, that everything is moving swiftly. And the next event is a trio of messages from heaven to earth delivered by angels with the 144,000 gone and any surviving Christians in hiding and living in great danger. The Lord sends three angels to continue proclaiming the eternal gospel and warning the remaining population of earth. I'd love for you to talk about that. When you study the book of Revelation, the tribulation is described from chapters 6, four and five are a prelude, but from chapter 6 to chapter 18. So it's a very simple outline, uh, as I understand it. We have chapters 4 through 11, giving us the events during the first half of the tribulation. In chapters 12 and 13 of Revelation, we have the middle of the tribulation. And then the last half of the tribulation begins with what you're talking about in Revelation 14. And this is the final three and a half years, which is called the Great Tribulation. And at this point, um, there are not many people left to proclaim the gospel of Christ because of the tyranny Mm -hmm. and the destruction of the Antichrist. And so the Lord sends angels from heaven, and one angel circles the world, it says, and he is proclaiming the gospel. And the others uh, are warning people not to bow down to the beast and to look to God. And so when everything else ceases to function evangelistically almost in the church, uh, the Lord is still determined to get the gospel to the earth during the last days, even sending angels. Now, oh, that's spectacular. All right, let's talk about some of the imagery. Uh, and we, when we think of uh, the dragons and the scorpion demons and the seven-headed beasts, are, 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 do we take these, do we take this literally or symbolically? Well, I think um, my rule is that whenever you read through the Bible, including Revelation, and you can take something literally, then do so. And if it's obviously a symbol or if it appears to be a symbol, then you look to see what it symbolizes. So when we talk about the seven-headed dragon and everything, that is symbolic, but the writer tells us this is referring to the devil, or this is referring to the Antichrist. I mean, he identifies what it is. Now, when you have the demons that are released, and they're going around the world like locusts, I, I don't think they probably literally are locusts or look like locusts, that's a symbol, but Bill, honestly, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, they, they can certainly, spiritual forces can take on different images so that angels in the Bible sometimes appear to be as ordinary as you and me. Other times they appear to be so spectacular that it almost makes your heart stop. Mm-hmm. So angels are, are spirits, but they can manifest themselves in various ways. So it wouldn't surprise me, uh, for the sheer sake of the terror that the devil wants to, to bring upon the world if he sent these hordes of demons, and they really were something like the vicious locusts that are described. But whether that physical image is literal or symbolic, the text is very clear about what it means, an invasion, a demonic invasion during the days of the Great Tribulation. Mm-hmm. And Rob, would you talk about... Uh the seals and the bulls. 
Well, there are three series of plagues that are described, and these are the 21 seminal events. Uh, When we talk about seals, in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation, Jesus Christ is given a scroll. I think that it is a scroll containing the battle plan for the final seven years of world history, and it has seven seals on it, like wax seals that you might see on a letter. And as Jesus opens each seal, a different catastrophe takes place to judge evil. And after those, then angels show up, seven of them with trumpets, and they blow these trumpets, and different catastrophes take place on the earth to judge evil. And then there are seven angels with bowls of wrath. And it's very interesting, Bill, that the bowls of wrath and also to some extent the trumpets are very much like the plagues of Egypt. If you want to know what the Great Tribulation is, mm. then you can study the story of Moses and just amplify it to, a, to a, a global degree, because it's like the Lord is repeating the plagues of Moses in an effort to drive people to the Lord, but also to judge evil. Mm-hmm. Robert Morgan is my guest. His book is The 50 Final Events in World History, in the Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. You can get in on the drawing. We have five books to give away. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Rob, one of the things I love about this book, A, the fact you wrote it, B, you're coming on my show to talk about it, but C, this is a book that's been ruminating uh, through 40 years of study in your brain. Well, I love the book of Revelation. Um, I got that from my dad. Uh, He and my Uncle Walter were great students of biblical prophecy, And I remember hearing them talk about they couldn't believe that in their lifetime the nation of Israel had had um, had come back into existence after two thousand years. Um, And then when I was in and and so periodically I would turn to Revelation even as a in high school when I was reading my Bible. But when I was in college, uh, and I'll be sixty nine in a couple of weeks, so that's been fifty years ago. I took a phenomenal course on Daniel and Revelation. And that really began my formal study. And as a pastor, I periodically go back and I've, through the years I've preached through Revelation. Uh, but, but in recent years, it's become much clearer to me, uh, Bill. I think that's what happens. The more we study it, the clearer it becomes. Mm-hmm. And Rob, when is your birthday? So all of us here at Faith Radio can make a fuss about it. <laughs> well, it's, it's May 29th. All right, it's just good to know. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to it's know. My, it's my big 70th and, uh, and uh, my three score and 10. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so the entire Bible sort of comes to a close in Revelations 21 and 22, and it's this amazing description of, of heaven. And talk about that. Is that a literal picture? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yes. As I, as I, I, I'm, I'm as certain... Um, as I reasonably can be, that this is a literal picture. At the very end of everything, when it's all done, evil has been judged, the devil has been dispensed, God is going to recreate this universe. He's going to make new uh, galaxies. He's going to make a new planet Earth. Uh, I have reason to believe it's going to be much larger. It'll be more beautiful. It'll be vivid. It'll be full of of all of the things we love about this earth, but absent will be everything that we hate. There will be no curse. We will be imperishable in our resurrection bodies. 
the city of New Jerusalem will be the capital city. There we have the throne of God, and we will be serving him and busy and active and worshiping. And I love these. Do you know that all of the books of the Bible lead to Revelation, and all 22 chapters of Revelation lead to this final great climactic Mm. picture of New Jerusalem? Yeah. And hopefully we'll all have an ocean view. That'll be nice, too. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of bodies of water. Yeah. Uh, the Lord loves water features, um, and it's going to be a remarkable— Do You know, in, in the last book of the Narnia series, um, this is C.S. Lewis understood all of this very well, and he created the real Narnia, and the, the children said, the reason we love the old Narnia was because somehow— it was a little bit like this beautiful place that we are now. That's fantastic. And tell me just uh, 10, 15 seconds about Uncle Walter. Was he a good guy? <laughs> he was a World War One veteran. Wow. Who outlived all of his siblings mm-hmm. and uh, was a Bible teacher who taught the old women's class. That's what they taught him. <laughs> a widower who taught the old women's <laughs> class for years at his church. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> what a great story. And um, we're talking to Robert Morgan. His book is the, the 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. And if you would like to get in on the drawing for a copy, we have five. 877, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, just the word book, no quotations, no emojis, nothing, just four letters, book, and then text it to 877-933-2484. That gets you in the drawing. glad to have Robert Morgan as my guest, and I can tell you are too, because we're getting lots and lots and lots of people that want to get in on the drawing. We have five copies of his book, The 50 Final Events in World History, and if you want to do that, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Rob, I'd love to talk about the uh, this thousand-year millennial reign. Well, I believe that this is a literal time period. It's referred to over and over again in Revelation 20, but it is described so much in the Old Testament. We are told in Isaiah, we are told in Ezekiel, we are told in Zechariah, we're told in Jeremiah, we're told in all of these prophets about a time period in which peace will reign on earth, the lion and the lamb will lay down together, children will play with vipers, no one will be harmed by that, people will live to a great old age, there will be peace in the world, and Jesus will teach from Jerusalem and people will stream to Israel to hear the teachings of Jesus. Now, some people uh, say all of these Old Testament prophecies, uh, we should just turn them into analogies and, and that they're fulfilled in the church. And that could be. I don't want to argue the point. But it seems to me, in keeping with my literal hermeneutic or my literal approach to studying the Bible, that all of these things are going to be the Lord's way of fulfilling all of the promises he made to Israel 
showing us what the world would be if everything were as it should be. And it gives us a preview of what things will be perfectly in heaven. That's fantastic. Uh, Rosie and I are sitting here smiling at each other going, we can hardly wait. Okay, let's talk about the, uh, the, the wicked being judged at the great white throne. This is the most frightening passage, I, I think, in the entire Bible. I agree. It's in the last, last half of Revelation 20. It is the Bible's last final great um, drama uh, at the end of the world. And when you think that people who have rejected Christ, who have ignored him, who have ridiculed him, um, will be suspended there in animation, the heavens and earth will have passed away, everything will have melted in the heat, and one by one people will stand before God to be judged for the way they have responded to Christ. That is a truly frightening picture, which compels us all to share the good news of Jesus But also, if someone is listening and you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't want to gamble with another day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. That's so true. Thank you for saying that, because I always feel like it's critical that that's being said on Christian radio, particularly on my show, all the time. So thank you for saying that. Well, there are many, many people listening to Christian radio who are pre-Christians. They haven't yet made that decision for Christ. But the very reason they're listening to this right now is because God led them to turn on their radio and to hear this and to meet Jesus Christ as Savior and make him the Lord of your life is not only a great uh, promise for the future for being in heaven, but it is life-changing to the way that we live right now. Mm -hmm. And Rob, I'd like you to say a little bit more about that because I think there's nothing inconsequential in God's economy. You hear stories of people say, I just kind of dialing through the radio dial and and I stopped on this for some reason. It's like, no, that that was on purpose. That was God's design. There are no coincidences. And the Lord leads us to hear the voice or to read the word, whatever it is, he gets the gospel to us. And we need to respond to it. The last invitation in the book of Revelation says, the Spirit and the Bride say, come, and whoever will, let him come, and whoever is thirsty, let him come and take of the water of life freely. So if you're listening and you aren't sure that heaven is your destination and that Jesus is your Savior, then the Bible has this wonderful invitation, come to Christ, receive him as your Savior. He can take over your life, he can give you a foundation for healthy living, and he can help you rebuild what is broken, and give you a great vision of the future that he has for you. Amen. Rob, talk about the final battle. I think that's out of Revelations chapter 20. Well, there is one battle that none of us understands at the end of the tribulation period, at the end of the, uh, um, at the, uh, the millennial reign of Christ. Um, there's going to be one final attempt of an uprising um, by the devil and, and some people on earth which will be quickly put down and destroyed. Uh, as uh, Dr. Uh, C.W. Criswell said, nobody understands why that occurs. It is in the plan of God, and one day we'll understand that better. But it's a little um, postscript to Armageddon at the end of, right before eternity, and at the very 
end of the millennial reign of Christ. And it's referred to with just a verse or so in, in Revelation 20, and we all sort of read that and shake our hand, our heads about it. Yeah, when you hear the word battle, it, is that an accurate descriptor? I mean, is it going to be much battle going on? I think it's kind of a one-sided uh, war, isn't it? Well, the actual Battle of Armageddon is a three-and-a-half-year campaign against Israel by the Antichrist. Okay. He will set up his forward operating base uh, in Armageddon, which is the Valley of Jezreel in Jerusalem. I'll be there in about three weeks, Lord willing. And you'll look over that vast valley. You know, Bill, something very interesting. The first recorded battle in world history, as we learned from hieroglyphics and Luxor, was in this very same spot. The last battle in world history will be waged from this very same spot, Armageddon, this valley of Jezreel in Israel. So um, it'll be a three-and-a-half-year campaign to annihilate Israel, according to Zechariah 12, 13, and 14, and Revelation chapter 19. Jesus will come again right at the climactic moment, save his people, and destroy the armies that are threatening the destruction of earth. Mm -hmm. Rob, what is your pastoral counsel for people who are listening to this program today that say, well, uh, you know, the timing of all this, it it differs. People have different understandings and different uh, ideas as to how and when they think these occur. Um, And I'm not asking for your position, but I'm just asking for your your input on the, the varied positions that people hold when it comes to end times. Well, there, there are five basic ways historically that the book of Revelation has been interpreted, and I, uh, given it, uh, uh, I talk about that in an appendix article. So am I right uh, about every detail? Probably not. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to be overly dogmatic on things, but my approach is just to take it as it's written. We have John on the island of Patmos in chapter 1. We have the messages to the seven churches in 2 and 3. We have the great scene in heaven in 4 and 5. We have the tribulation on earth from 6 to 18. We have the return of Christ in chapter 19. We have his reign in chapter 20. We have eternity in chapters 21 and 22 with the new heavens and the new earth. My approach is just take it as it comes, take it as it's written, and it is all leading us towards the return of Christ in heaven. Mm-hmm. And Rob, I want to sort of wrap our time up together with an incredibly happy thought on this beautiful spring day here in Minnesota, and that is this. Will we know one another in heaven? I do an appendix article on this as well, and the answer is certainly. <laughs> uh, Good. Jesus, Elijah, and Moses knew one another on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples recognized Jesus after his resurrection. And as somebody said, Bill, we're not going to be more stupid in heaven than we were on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if we know one another now, we're going to know one another then. I think we might even know one another instinctively. Mm, I'm I'm not sure about that, but wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm Mm-hmm. And Rob, I just want to let listeners know uh, that we do have five copies of his book, The 50 Final Events in World History. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. But I also want to tell my listeners, as so many people have started listening over the years and radio stations have popped up, we have gone from uh, 9 to 23 uh, in the last 20 years. So... 
there are new people all the time joining uh, Faith Radio and listening. So our deep desire is that you come to know Christ as your Savior and to uh, grow in your spiritual uh, faith uh, through listening to the program. But I also want to say the very first time I was solo on radio, when I had to uh, get behind a microphone by myself, scared to death, my very first guest was Robert Morgan. And you are still, to this day, as kind and as gentle and as invitational and as loving as you were that very first time I had you on. Well, your audience, many of them do not know what a versatile man and what a phenomenal career you've had in so many uh, so many different ways. And, uh, uh, and it's just a pleasure anytime you and I can link up together. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you uh, for being on the show. Thank you, Bill. You bet. Robert Morgan has been my guest. Again, his book is The final, the 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. I know you want to get in on the drawing because so many people have already texted the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'm so glad that you and I had this time to just be together and to to learn and to grow, and I want to thank all my guests today for being amazing, as they always are, and I just want to wish you a wonderful evening, and one more time, just say happy birthday to Marilyn. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.